Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at... Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, and you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the headline editor for the North Carolina student newspaper, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I actually have no idea what that reference is. What have I missed, Gerald? Fill me in. So the UNC student newspaper said, and I quote the headline above the fold, page one. UNC has a cluster F on its hands. <laughs> uh, and, and it wasn't just a really hype way of saying Mac Brown's recruiting his pants off? No, they were uh, referring to the student situation in which now that has prompted UNC to go remote completely. Yeah, uh, I think there's going to be some cluster Fs uh, all, all around uh, the, the, the universities. We've seen some pictures uh uh, various schools, even our Big 12 colleagues. I did see one uh, SB Nation writer say that Alabama was converting to the spread uh, offense, <laughs> which I just thought was an amazing way to put it. Yeah, um, college kids, uh, they they don't like to distance, man. This is um, going to be interesting. Watch this space. I'll just say that. There's going to be some more headlines, but that might – be the single winner. No, I just assumed everyone in the country was talking about uh, you have, you know, between now and 2022 to fully grow out your mullets, which we're going to be talking a little bit about. So some big recruiting news happened. So we had Mike Roach on. We had to shift our recording schedule with Mike normally. We don't really have a recording schedule. It's just a fun joke to make. Uh, Texas completed its first week of practice with the scrimmage. So we got some availability from Tom Herman. We'll obviously give you some down the 40 because stuff is happening outside of football. And then we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So we were gonna we were gonna wait another week between Mike Roach appearances because it had been about a month, and so we were gonna wait. And I uh, reached out to Mike on Twitter just to give him a hey, man. The the coverage of what we're gonna talk about tonight has been incredible. And Mike was like, hey, I'm free on Monday if you guys want me to come on, which is is never something I will say no to. So we have the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mike Roach of Horns Two Four Seven on with us tonight. 
Mike, how are you doing, man? I'm great, guys. And why, you know, why wait a week? If we know the big story, we know what everybody wanted to talk about. Right. Like, why wait a week? You know, we're just on like a monthly cadence, and I like to to give people expectations. I think expectations are the the basis of every good relationship. But I think sometimes when when things change, sometimes the expectations need to change. Well, I mean, you know, it. it I think you can make exceptions in in areas of uh, really extremely big news. And I, like I said, I told you know, I told my wife. Um, I can't imagine bigger news. Like I'm not, that's the craziest thing about this is I was trying to explain to her and she's like, she doesn't, she understands loosely what I do and that because of high school boys, we can pay our mortgage and things like that. But um, you know, I, I, it's hard to explain that because there's a lot of times I say, this is a big story that I'm working right. on. This time I was like, this is the biggest story I will ever report. This is the number one player in the country. They can't get bigger. Like, like I could probably report maybe the same level at some point, but this is the biggest story of my career easily. So, um, you know, I was trying to explain it to her. And so, you know, we have something that mammoth, I think we have to make exceptions. And, and we've, we've obviously teased around it as we talk about it. I think everyone who's listening to this should have an idea. And if you don't, the news obviously is that 2022 is number one player, uh, in that class quarterback, Quinn Ewers, number one player in that uh, class in the entire country committed to Texas. If you didn't hear that, I apologize for whatever rock has fallen on your house that you're living under. Um, but that's it. That's what we're talking about. That's the news. That's, I mean, this is amazing. It feels amazing. And this kid looks amazing. Like, is there, is there any doubt in your mind that like right now you can, you could do any analysis, look at, you know, the quarterback room, different things down the road, but just, I mean, with the news, is there any reason that anyone shouldn't just be jumping for joy right now? No, and I think, I mean, look, you can get into the Debbie Downer part of, you know, not nobody's a, a can't miss and everybody's got warts and there's Garrett Gilberts of the world and all those sorts of things. But, man, if you're looking at Quinn Ewers right now, and this is, you know, I sometimes I have to catch myself if I'm building too much hype on a kid early and say, are you building too much hype on a kid this early? I saw Quinn in the eighth grade playing for a seven on seven team and thought that kid's going to be the number one player in the country one day. (laughs) And uh, turns out I wasn't wrong. So, you know, I think that in some cases when you see it, you just see it and it's, it's so evident. And I look, people will brag about evaluations. It doesn't take a genius to evaluate Quinn Ewers. Um, You know, I mean, look at what he did in his sophomore season, South Lake Carroll playing 6A football, throwing for 4,000 yards in his debut and and running for another 600 and throwing for a ton of touchdowns. And really, um, you know, I was at that Duncanville South Lake game in the regional final, in in the 6A regional final, that – that Southlake hung with Duncanville the whole way, and it was all on the back of Quinn Ewers. I mean, against a team loaded with D1 prospects in Duncanville, Quinn Ewers is out here throwing for 400 yards and just making some amazing passes. Ripped up to Soto as well. So the competition's there. It looks great. The stats are great. When you look at him, 6'3", 190. Um, you know, I had heard in eighth grade that he had ran like a 4'7", on the laser at uh, Ohio State's camp. So he can move, too. I, you know, he's listed as a pro-style quarterback, but this kid can move. He could do a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, having known him since that time, it's just really crazy to see it all. So you you mentioned all of the accolades, and, and I mean, the, the kid has every school in the country basically knocking on his door trying to, to gain his services. So I think the, the, the first question I want to ask is, like, how did Texas pull this off? Well, it certainly helps that he grew up probably much like you two fellas, a, a fan of the Texas Longhorns. You know, he grew up his whole life um, uh, wearing burnt orange, watching the games. 
as most affluent suburb kids in Dallas do. I mean, I think that there is definitely a certain type of kid that grows up wanting to go to Texas. And it's usually those, you know, those kids from the more affluent neighborhoods. So, um, you know, for Quinn, it was certainly that, but that alone didn't get it done. You know, there was very credible buzz around Oklahoma and talking to Quinn over the spring, you know, Oklahoma did have the lead for a while. And, you know, I mean, he kind of just put it to me like, Hey, if you're a quarterback, why would you not play for Lincoln Riley with what he's done with the draft and the Heisman Trophy and those things? Ohio State had its day in the sun uh, sometime in the summer when I talked to him. Uh, when he officially got the number one ranking, I talked to him and he was just telling me, you know, Ohio State's coming at me like no other. And obviously they've got a great tradition. So that wasn't going to get it done alone. I think that that Mike Yersich really, really put this one over the top for Texas. Tim Beck was was really great at the relationship building and he opened the door for Texas into this recruitment. Um, by the way, this is something I haven't said or written or anything, so it's going to be an exclusive on Longhorn Republic, but I am told, and I, I haven't verified it, but I'm told that the Ewers reached out to Beck at NC State to, to get his thoughts on, you know, what if we were to commit to Texas, and Beck strongly endorsed Tom Herman and said it would be a great thing for your career, so wow. for all those people who disliked wow. him Beck, shout out to, shout out to him. Um, if that's true. Uh, but yeah, I think that Tim Beck opened the door. He was great at the relationship building part, but your is, uh, you know, just his intensity, his, uh, you know, his love for schematic uh, drawings and X's and O's and those sorts of things really uh, resonated with Quinn. And, and that's really what it was that, that kind of pushed it over the edge. I think, and I think part of it is Quinn got really tired of the recruiting process. He's just not that type of kid who, who wants to wants it all. And um, you know, I think that, in the end, and I said this about the Brockmeyers, and they prove the, the inverse of this, but I've always said when you grow up wanting to play for a team your whole life, especially Texas in the state of Texas, and you have that opportunity and you can say yes to it or no to it, can you overcome the fact that you've wanted to do it your whole life and you've imagined yourself doing it your whole life? The Brockmeyers could. They got over it. They went to Alabama because they thought that was the best choice for them. In the end, I don't think Quinn could get over it. And so I think that he looked at everything and said, this is what I've wanted my whole life. Why am I playing around with it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you said, it's not 100%, but I'll take it every single time we can get it. But the, the interesting thing since it's happened um, is that we've seen just a slew of kids uh, all around um, in, in the uh, 2021 Obviously, his 2022 and even the, the 23 class uh, expressing interest to want to play with the number one kid now that he's, he's kind of been the first domino to fall. And, um, you know, even if, if it's not every single one of the, the kids who reacted to the tweet or retweeted or posted something about themselves, um, you just feel like something is happening. There's a gravita gravitational pull to this announcement. And, and it's awesome to watch this in the Twitter age, right? Vince Young wasn't necessarily being recruited in the Twitter age, but watching it happen live, I, you know, for a Texas fan, I haven't seen anything like, what do you think? I mean, how, how does this ultimately end up impacting those classes? What are you seeing? I think that when you look at it, you know, he's not going to be a guy who's really out there on Twitter, you know, constantly, but he is definitely a guy who works behind the scenes. Heard already over the weekend of him talking to a number of big time recruits, not just in the state of Texas, but, you know, outside of the state as well. Talked to some sources um, that over the weekend who, who basically told me that, you know, they think that receivers better hurry up and, you know, make a move and uh, get in line. So I think that um, you're going to see some movement in that defensive class. And, and really, I think that, uh, you know, him and, and Faison Wilson, the other 
wide receiver commit, um, who was extremely excited, by the way, when I told him that uh, Ewers was committing. Um, I think that those guys are already at work. And I think I don't think it would be out of the question to see maybe one or two more commits come in this month. Yeah, I think you said it in the stampede that, like, receivers are going to try to claim their spot early. Is that is I think the verbiage you used on, on Horns 247. I was told specifically receivers better claim their spot early because not mm-hmm. only are the top guys in the state calling, but the top guys from around the country have taken notice and they're expressing a little more interest um, at this point in time. And so I assume that Andre Coleman's job is going to get a little easier. For Nothing wrong with that. So we mentioned the, the impact on the classes around it, and this is a rarity for us. We got some, some breaking news while we were on the podcast. Um, 2021 quarterback Jalen Milrow announced that he is flipping his commitment from the University of Texas, the only quarterback in the 21 class to the Alabama Crimson Tide. So um, there's there's probably a lot that went into his decision. But, Mike, I think um, it, it kind of just worked out serendipitously that you were already on with us today uh, when this happened. So kind of what, what happened? Where did things go sour with, with, with a guy who was one of Texas's most vocal cheerleaders in that 21 class? I think – from the time we, we knew Ewers was going to commit, I think this was probably a foregone conclusion. I mean, Milrow had been commit, uh, not commit, uh, he had been flirting at least with Bama basically for the entirety of his recruitment. I mean, he was very close to committing to Bama last summer before they took a commitment from Drake May, which kind of pushed Milrow to Texas and started that 22 class off. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, following that, uh, he, he always kept those lines of communication open. I think if you look at it and, um, you know, you look at Hudson Card and Jaquita Jackson in front of you, especially with all the reports of Hudson Card having an incredibly strong camp, and then you've got the number one player in the country coming behind you. Playing time gets a lot harder. You know, it gets it gets a lot more difficult. So I think quarterbacks, obviously, I never judge quarterbacks for this type of stuff. There's only one ball. They only, you know, they're the they're not like receivers. You know, they 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 basically have. Uh, one chance to start. And so when you look at it, I think playing the odds is the best way to go. So I don't know that it's necessarily that Milrow soured on Texas, but I think he had to make a business decision really. And, um, you know, for him, it was Alabama where he's still going to face a lot of competition. Bryce Young, the number one quarterback in the country, 2020s there. But I think, uh, you know, he doesn't have at least that monster coming behind him as well. Yeah, and I think he he even mentioned it in his in his note on Twitter. I think that this is this is just the decision he needed to make. Which which we Kyle and I are always team do what's best for the player. And so if this is what's best for for him in his future, we're excited for him. But what does this do to the the 2021 class now that I mean, granted you've got Ewers coming in behind, but does this change the landscape? Uh, you know, again, Milrow was a was a big he was a hashtag for a while. So what does what does that do for the 21 class of guys? that was kind of built as a cornerstone of that unit. You know, I, I look at it and I'm not sure that there's anybody, you know, th- there were a group of guys that initially committed with Jalen. Uh, when you talk about Hayden Connor, I don't see Hayden Connor going anywhere. He's bought in really big on the education opportunities of Texas. Um, and, and the barbecue I, opportunities, it looks like. Absolutely. Plus, you know, he's not, it doesn't really look like he's a target for Bama. So it's not like he's going to follow Milro to Bama. I don't see him moving. Billy Bowman's a guy that I think you could probably look at and say, yeah, he committed around that time. And I think he is tied to Jalen in a little bit of a ways, but I also think that uh, Denton Ryan is a very Texas friendly program, especially with the De La Tours on staff. 
Uh, they've got Jatavian Sanders, who has told uh, many people that he is not flipping anywhere, and he's tired of answering that question. Um, and so I think that – and Billy grew up a Texas fan as well. So I think that, um, you know, it's hard to see him going anywhere. Derek Harris, same thing. So I don't see much of the class falling apart. You know, now it's just more of a case of establishing a leader in it, which I think will probably be Hayden. And then Hayden and Derek Harris seem to be the leaders in it. Uh, you know, Milrow was a big component to recruiting guys like uh, LJ Johnson, so uh, Bryce Foster, so that, that could hurt there. But um, I don't see anything really falling apart on that front at this point. Well, and it, it's a tough. I'm a man who loves a sandwich, but it's a tough sandwich to come in between the, the classes you just talked about. Is this a matter of they don't even need to go get a, a 21 quarterback because you have so much talent, obviously, when you talk about the top uh, guy in, in the, the 22 class after it and the, and the guys already on, you know, in the quarterback room it, it doesn't seem to be a position they need to like to like uh replace right the, the maybe look for something else uh to take that slot yeah i you know that's interesting because when we we got wind of milrose flipping um i wrote some articles basically right before i hopped on with you guys to have ready for for when this happened and um I talked about maybe what's next for Texas, where they can look. And, you know, where they're going to have to look is either guys with positional versatility to play like quarterback and receiver and uh, guys who are, are program guys, frankly, guys who don't mind coming for four years, holding hold the clipboard if that's the case, and they're going to get a good degree and some really cool parties and maybe they'll get to play in some garbage. I mean, that, I hate to say it that way, but that's frankly kind of the way it's going to have to be. Yeah. Good luck attracting guys with the quarterback class you signed last year and the quarterback you've got committed next year. Um, so I think, uh, I think that really that's what we're looking at, if they even go with the quarterback at all. Mike, I feel like we've, we've covered quarterbacks pretty adequately, at least the, the 21 and 22 quarterbacks. And so I'd like to, to shift to really the reason why we bring you on the podcast. You are, you are a renaissance man, if, if nothing else. Uh, you have varied and multiple interests outside of college football or co- high school football recruiting. So, Mike, what's what's the newest thing in your world? Because there's there's a lot that you do outside of of your your you can't call your job a nine to five, but like your the thing you get paid to do. Yeah. Um, so we talk about TV a lot. I don't have anything new. I hope you guys have watched Ninety Day Fiance since last time I was on here. Um, <laughs> you started, yes. yes. Outside. Oh, really? I'm interested to hear a report on that. Um, after that, uh, you know, I think like today I was telling you guys before we hopped on that um, I, I, re- I just bought a smoker. So I'm going to get into smoking meats and, um, you know, I'm a big enjoyer of barbecue and now I hope to be a big uh, maker of barbecue. So, um, yeah, that's that's the newest thing I've got going on. I'm bothering our, my friend Daniel Seahorn every five minutes to ask him about tips I've been engrossed in watching Aaron Franklin videos on YouTube to figure out how to do it from the best. And what I love about Aaron Franklin's stuff, and I've never, I've never got to have Franklin's barbecue. I mean, it is definitely something I, I want to have, but I don't live in Austin. And so it's like really hard to, I can't just jet down there for lunch one day and, and pick it up. And obviously it's a big to do to get it. So I think that what I really like about him is he's, he makes things really simple in his tutorials. And I mean, obviously he's a master at what he does, but uh, you know, he says it like, it's, it's not hard to do this. It's salt and pepper and and maybe one or two other things. And you know, that's what we do. So uh, that's really what I'm into right now is just uh, trying to learn how to smoke some meat. I'm going to, I think I'm going to prepare the maiden voyage. I'm planning it out right now of the smoker will be um, pulled pork tacos 
and I'm going to try that smoked queso that's going around on Twitter that everybody's talking okay. about. Okay. Yeah, because brisket is expensive right now, man. It's uh, I, I've had some people do uh, smoked beef ribs to try to get around it, right? Get the get the beef off it. You almost mm-hmm. have a mini brisket because brisket is uh is tough, and you want you want to work up to that one, I think. Yeah, and so that's why I told Daniel is I need to. I asked him frankly. I said, "Give me something easy to start with," and he said, "Pork butt." And I said, "Okay, I don't want to start by nuking br- like expensive briskets and and just throwing them away." So uh, try to build up to that and just kind of refine my craft and and all that. So in a in a combination of what we're talking about now and a Netflix recommendation, if you've not watched Chef Show, John Favreau goes around and gets all of these chefs uh, to show him how to cook stuff, and he does two episodes with Aaron Franklin, and he like they they prep a brisket. So that's so something. Not cool. only not only is the Chef Show one of my favorite shows on Netflix, um, it is Chef the movie is one of my favorite movies. It's a movie that I will watch free. Agreed. It's a great movie. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's just a really, like, it's not going to win an Oscar or anything, but it's just a really, hey, I got an hour and a half. I want to watch something really enjoyable. It's Chef. The food porn in that movie is fantastic. Uh, the way he makes a grilled cheese sandwich makes me want grilled cheese sandwiches all the time. And then, like, the scene with Franklin's is just, it's incredible. So, yeah, that's uh, yes. a big fan of the Chef show. I've seen, yes. I've seen both of those episodes for sure. It's definitely a, a movie and a show, honestly, that you don't want to watch in an empty stomach or you'll end up uh, you'll end up just going and eating way too much. It, it makes you hungry. I'll just say this. If we have listeners, I know we have some amateur smokers on here. If you have tips for Mike Roach, if you have, have comments for Gerald or I to get us into the smoking game, I know we have uh, Jimmy Ho has reached out to us before. As a, you know, shout out to Jimmy. Your Instagram always makes me similarly hungry. Um, but hit us with a uh, replies to Texas and make sure you, you, you hit up Mike as well. Um, and give him, give him the, you know, give him the deets, let him know, uh, how he can be as, if he's as good at smoking meat as he is at covering, uh, recruiting, uh, specifically for Texas, then, you know, it's only a matter of time before he has 500 people lined up outside his restaurant. You know, and Jimmy Ho, shout out to you because these guys gave me your name and I am now a follower of your, your Instagram page because it looks incredible. Uh, but you know. I, I equate it to this. Maybe I should do a brisket first. So the first interview I ever did in the recruiting game was Kyler Murray. Um, what a way to start, right? Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray at Elite 11 in like 2014. And I asked him a question. I asked him, if you want to know how well the interview went, I asked him about 11 questions in 38 seconds. Um, that's how well the interview went. And uh, – so definitely, if I'm going to equate that to a brisket, I definitely uh, lost that one. And I remember I had I had Twitter like the, the I was working for Horn Sports. I wasn't on Twitter at all. And they were like, "Hey, you got to be on Twitter for this recruiting thing." And I just tweeted to like my 30 followers. Um, Kyler, I asked Kyler Murray if he's hearing from the new Texas staff, and he said, "Yeah, but that's not happening." And it got picked up and went super viral. My first ever real tweet. And I picked up like seven or 800 uh, followers off of that alone. So, um, you know, hope maybe, maybe we'll see if I can equate barbecue to that in some way. I think you can. By the way, that's, that's also like, um, y'all remember when Kyler was going through the media rounds right before the draft and people were like, well, he just was really nervous for this interview and blah, blah. I'm like, nah, he's just an asshole. That's him. Like, <laughs> I, I've, I've, like I've known him since he was like 10th grade. Like he's, yeah, that's him. That's not, not surprising. That is that is such a perfect note and really on brand for our podcast. I've said numerous things about Kyler Murray. Shout out one more time, too, to uh, the time that I watched Kyler manhandle DeSoto come back in the playoffs. And then he told me on the sideline, and me and a gang of reporters, 
we love being the underdog. And I'm like, you're Alan. You haven't lost a game in like 10 years. Like, what are you talking about? And he looks me in the eye and says, F and print it. And I was like, no, I can't. You cussed. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but you're not the underdog. So uh, shut up, Kyler. Say hard. I love it. I love it. So if, if people are going to send you their barbecue recommendations, their smoker recommendations, where can they send those to? Hit me up on Twitter. That's probably the best. Mike Roach 247. Well, Mike, man, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time, man. I know you've got all other other things going on. Literally, there's probably stories you need to post and tweets you need to tweet. So we will let you get back to doing your not so day job. Yeah, my board's probably on fire right now, so I need to go treat <laughs> that. So uh, thanks, boys. Uh, until we do it again, it was good seeing you. So Texas completed its first week of practice on Saturday with a scrimmage. Uh, According to Tom Herman, they went about 40-ish snaps with the first and second units. Third unit got somewhere in the range of 15-ish because Tom Herman said 80 to 90% of the guys are going to play this year. So let's get them as many reps as they can. Uh, They also gave the team a break between like the, the OTAs as he called them and the start of practice five days to kind of test their ability to self police themselves and not get COVID. Unlike a school to the North of the red river that did that. And they came back with nine cases of COVID Texas came back with a big old zero number of cases. Some other news out of that. Uh, press conference with Tom Herman, 90% of the team is taking exclusively online classes, which falls in line with data that we already had that approximately 75% of the credit hours registered at the university are completely online. Uh, the team is semi-isolated in Sanjak because of NCAA rules. That according to amateurism, you cannot have a specific athlete dorm for them. Blah, 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 blah. That's why we can't have a blah, 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 blah. They're not really amateurs. Uh, so, Pushing back the first game, Tom Herman said this was actually a blessing. He didn't say a blessing in disguise. This is me editorializing what he said, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise that they're able to take things slower at the start of camp, which is important when you're, I don't know, installing a new offense and a new defense. Uh, And the other thing he really called out was the offensive line. Basically, the two other offensive line spots, because we know what three of them are, there are like seven guys basically that are competing. Christian Jones, Denzel Okafor at both tackle and guard. Isaiah Hookfin, a guy you and I both like at tackle and guard. Tyler Johnson, Willie Tyler, and Reese Moore are all competing to fill. That's one, two, three, four, five, six guys competing to fill two spots, which means Texas will likely have some depth along the offensive line. So, Kyle, as we look back to the uh, to the first week of practice and what we've gotten out of it, man, what has jumped out to you the most as something that uh, you want to keep an eye on or has, has been a good uh, a good thing for you? Well, I'll just say we were talking about the offensive line there, and and I think um, Herb Hand is a guy who likes to cross train. I think guys are going to get to play. I think he, you know, a lot of offensive linemen are going to rotate in, but it will be very curious because if that ends up being a position of strength um, for this offense, with the uh, obviously the quarterback they have, with the receivers that they they have, and the potential there, and then the running back room, there's just talent all over at the skill position. So if that can end up, you know, being good or even very good, um, then I think this offense has a chance to really, really be uh, dynamic. I'm going to talk a little bit about some numbers later in the show, I think, um, on those. But I think just in general, there have been some highlight plays. Uh, almost everyone coming out of camp is buzzing uh, about Hudson Card, and the future looks bright in the quarterback room. Uh, again, beyond what we just talked about at length uh, with, with you know recruiting the number one uh 
player in the country at quarterback in the 2022 class that we have some dudes uh, already on campus who are looking really, really good. Um, obviously, you know, we haven't talked a lot about, but Jaquin and Jackson would be a guy who would be right in there, you know, competing as well. But all, all reports right now are that Hudson Card is just, um, it looks, looks really, really sharp. Obviously, Sam Ellinger is looking great. I mean, as you look at everything coming out of those practices, all the pictures, all the images, he, he's uh, slimmed down a few pounds on the depth chart, but looks just exponentially slimmer and I think that's due to just he's, he's really got lean shred muscle mass I think Anson McKnight did a great job transforming his body um, and so I think it's just going to be really really interesting um, how he plays out and then the, the biggest one I'm saving this for last but it's probably the biggest one um, is just the I mean we shared some highlights. We shared some texts talking about it. Um, there's just been a lot of buzz about Troy O'Meara just looking really, really great um, in these. And, and I think that the news just came out that he's going to be out for the the entire season uh, with a torn ACL, which is just that's the I hate to end on a bummer, but that's the biggest bummer. I mean, I love the the Kool Aid. I, I can definitely get behind some of these great receivers, great secondary looking good obviously quarterback play being you know being multiple deep and sam looking great um running back room being stocked but you know it, it does it does stink because there's there's replacing two really elite college receivers who are going on to hopefully have really good nfl careers there's some openings there's some guys ready to step up and by all accounts even though uh, he's a freshman talent like troy amir had a chance to to really stake his place in that lineup if not uh in the starting lineup so it, it, it you hate to hear it but the guy's got a long career ahead of him yeah and, and he's a guy who's got a bright future and he'll take it he'll take a red shirt this year obviously and and rehab that knee and get back to be because he's a, he is a the the crazy thing about uh, about To is that he's listed at six three, but has like a wingspan that's like of a six five or six six guy. So like somebody who plays bigger than six three is just stupid. And so I'm interested to see what other wide receivers separate themselves and kind of flash. We we uh, Herman said in his presser that at that inside spot, basically if the season started today, uh, both Whittington and Jake Smith would kind of have a little slot by committee, which is not a bad thing because either of those guys, it's like, oh, do I want the Texas player of the year or do I want the Arizona player of the year at slot? Which one? Which one do I want? Do I want the guy who set records in the state championship game or do I want a guy who was a Gatorade national player of the year? Like which one? So that's not a, that's, that's a good thing. So the outsides are something that I'm keeping an eye on for sure. But we've got um, in a lot of the videos of the wide receivers, something that I've been impressed with is the coverage from the DBs. There's a lot of really incredible talent in that defensive back group and I think we're seeing a lot of of video and, and images of them making plays and I think if this is a group if Jay Valai can can get I don't even say if he can get all of the talent out of this group if Jay Valai can get 75 to 80 percent of the talent of this group then this this group has the opportunity to be one of the best secondaries in the country full stop like if if this team if this group of defensive backs plays up to their level of talent, they can be one of the best defensive units in the country. And there's no two ways about it. I also think um, I'm I we saw some video of our boy T Sweat, uh, not T Swift, but T Sweat, uh, who it was a great look for T Sweat and a bad look for a guy who I wish was wish had a different career. Rafiti Grimaldi who's a backup center right now. Um, Rafiti got absolutely abused on a one on one drill, but it illustrates kind of what we talked about last week. Uh, about the importance of the switch to the four man front. Cause that shaded nose, if the, if the gu- right guard blocks down, then, then T sweat doesn't, or the left guard, excuse me, if, T, if the left guard blocks down T sweat probably doesn't make that play. 
And so, but then you've got tackle who's one-on-one with TQ or one-on-one with any of the other outstanding pass rushers that are coming. So again, that imbalance, like we're already seeing what that can play out as and we're only a week into camp. Yeah, and then you, not even to mention, I think the two best defensive linemen and snacks to the the other side of, of Mr. Sweat, uh, and then Joseph Osai, who's ready just to pin his ears back. So I, I, I like it. I, I like hype videos during this this Kool Aid part of the off season, as I like to refer to it, are oftentimes offense centric because it's easier to get a running back making a crazy cut or a receiver making a crazy catch or a quarterback dropping one on a dime necessarily than it is a you know a linebacker making a good read, getting a you know a perfect first step, uh, or or you know. A defensive lineman having a, a killer swim move though they did that and then also love just a, a massive a man and sweat getting downhill that stuff's awesome too and, and you know for the, the adage is true uh defense does win championships a great offense as lsu proved um can really propel that uh, and make it a lot easier on a defense um but ultimately um texas that's the side of the ball you know that will determine just how far that team goes so i, I like that you pointed that out but ultimately we're talking about football, Gerald, and that's exciting. If the season happens, again, knock on wood, we're, we're not very far away from the scheduled start of it. Um, we get to talk about football, and I love that. We can absolutely talk about football, and it's 100% exciting. So now we'll move to the part of the show where we give some shine to all the other stuff going on, and we down the 40. Now, we do have to start with a little bit of football news that uh, a guy who was going to be in the mix for a defensive end position, Marquez Bimage has opted out of the 2020 season. We don't necessarily know what opting out does for eligibility and all of those things, but he's a guy that likely had an opportunity uh, to play for a significant snap. So um, this is something that we've already seen from some NFL caliber guys who decided to forego whatever season does happen. And we saw LSU players doing it. We saw uh, before the big 10 canceled it, guys like Rondale Moore were saying, nah, I'm not playing. So you, you've seen this happen already, uh, but players opting out is probably not something you will players opting out is something that we'll probably have to get used to seeing over the next few weeks. Yeah. I hope it's not a rash. I hope there's not a ton more for UT just because, you know, there are some certain positions where depth isn't, isn't necessarily a luxury, but um, I, we, I think have been unequivocal in our, and I think consistent in our statements to these players, whether it's UT, whether it's other schools um, that, you know, we're never going to fault a kid for opting out for personal reasons, for health reasons, for family reasons, for whatever reason, football is wildly important. We love it. It's a great distraction from life, but it's not life. There is life that exists outside of the gridiron. Um, And if there's any reason that, that, uh, you know, a player, uh, but also a person chooses to make that decision, you know, we're we're never going to be mad at them. Hate to see it. Sometimes you, you you just hope, you know, um, you can mitigate it or or keep it as small as possible for a football reason, but, but never, never going to be mad at a kid for making that decision. We are always 100% pro player, not saying we are professional players, but we are pro the player making the best decision for them. Quick football news, not a ton to talk about here. Uh, After months and months and months of saying DKR was going to be at 50% capacity, communication went out this week that it is down to 25% capacity, which uh, it will continue, I think, to dwindle until it's like, ah, we're going to let six people in. First six to show up. You're going to have to leg wrestle to get it. Oh, yeah, leg wrestle. Or I was going to say a raffle ticket or, uh, you know, I could see somehow UT Smart to turn this into a, a an opportunity. Bidding war. Six richest guys get to buy. I don't know. We'll see. Um, again, whatever it happens, let's just get to football. Absolutely. Moving to the hardwood. Some good news. Suge Sutton, a favorite of ours, 
officially signed with the Washington Mystics, a, a player we loved watching play at, at Texas. Will be taking your talents to the WNBA. No, we'd love to see that uh, again, Gerald and I, big uh, fan supporters of the, uh, the Longhorn women's basketball team while on campus and also going and kicking butt uh, afterwards. Again, the, the Mystics are actually a really great team. She gets to join, you know, Elena Deladon and just some uh, some some stud players. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to uh, to see this. I, I will. I will certainly we should all be watching WNBA cheer the women on. But uh, I'll, we have one more Longhorn to to root for. More concerning sign, Mo Bamba actually had to leave the NBA bubble to have, according to the team, a comprehensive post-COVID evaluation. So Mo Bamba, if you don't remember, uh, came down with COVID-19 earlier in the summer, played as part of the NBA bubble. But apparently, again, we don't have any sources on this, but it seems like there's something else going on that Mo Bamba needs to get some assistance for. So we hopefully will uh, be able to see and have more updates uh, with Mo Bamba, but that uh, horns up and prayers uh, up for uh, a guy we love to watch play and a guy we love to, to talk about. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, the bubble has worked remarkably well. Um, there's been very few stories. It, again, it stinks that it, it hits with a burn orange lens, but uh, yeah, same, same. Mo, uh, hopefully everything is, is, is uh, if well, short-term and uh, long-term both. So some recruiting news. For the University of Texas and Kyle, I want you to start on the hardwood with the recruiting news for the University of Texas. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Texas men's basketball uh, officially signed rising three star. Some uh, sites actually have him at four star 2021 uh, prospect David Joplin, a six foot seven, 215 pound power forward from Brookfield. Wisconsin. He chose Texas over offers from Missouri, Butler, Georgetown, Iowa State. Um, he's ranked by rivals as the 20th best uh, power forward prospect, but basically that number keeps shrinking and his offer sheet keeps growing uh, or did up until this commitment. Um, he's been one of the breakout players this summer. Um, they've been having multiple AAU uh, uh, you know, tournaments throughout the summer, uh, picking up a slew of offers. And also he grew two inches and added 15 pounds uh, basically in the last few months. So that helps. Uh, as well but uh, so kind of joining a trend um, with some players in, in uh, Keon Etirje and, and uh, Marian Ellis the, the other two members of this class are both kind of um, under the radar guys who, who Smart has signed who uh, weren't the big five stars that we kind of hear and know about but are, are hopefully um, some scrappy three and, and, and low four star guys who have a potential um, to you know surprise some people like it always seems that we end up getting beat uh, by those guys. So uh, let's try it the other way. But that is to say, uh, some of the old Texas magic might be there because there's some rumblings that five-star center Damian Collins, who's just outside but should soon be, I think, a top-10 player uh, in this uh, same 2021 class. Uh, the Texas Tech and OU are basically fighting over him, but there's been a lot of rumblings over the past week or so that uh, UT is every bit in the mix with those two and could even potentially be the favorite. So some exciting things on the, on the hardwood. And something I, I've always respected about Shaka's recruiting is that he's not, he, he obviously goes after the big, the big names, right? He will, he will go after the big names, but he's not like the star chaser. He sees a guy he likes and he goes and he gets them regardless of what they're it's like. I like his game. His game fits what we're trying to do. Okay. 
So that's what we're going to do. So that's something I've loved about Shaka's recruiting. Now on the diamond, recruiting is also heating up. Texas added Lake Travis, right-handed pitcher slash outfielder Pierce George. Or is it George? He is from Lake Travis, so it could be a, a soft GE. Uh, but Pierce George, who uh, he actually plays wide receiver for Lake Travis as well. So that's, again, love the two-sport kids. Um, 6'6", pitcher slash outfielder. So big fella on the mound uh he's touching 88 miles an hour with his fastball working a slider at 74 miles an hour with a uh sharp kind of flash on it so the texas baseball recruiting it's always hard to watch because it's like well is this a draft kid is this a kid that's gonna go play minor leagues but at this point when we're looking at the 2022 class seeing these types of players come in is a good thing for Texas because this feels like one that'll probably stick. Yeah, I think he's I think he is a kid who's very likely to come to campus, you know, I don't know for how long, um but at least get here and play in the in the burn orange. Um he's uh actually I think played shortstop for them as well, but he's exciting uh as a as a pitcher the sixth member of that class again after the number 1 class uh last year but had uh, multiple of those players make the draft. Uh, I like to see these really, it's, it's an interesting recruiting. It's baseball has their own niche about you got to get the guys on campus. Basketball has the, the niche of, well, do you keep them for more than one year? Um, so it's, it's two very interesting and, and quite different than if you're traditionally football recruiting follower, the, the, there's their own hurdles, but I like this kid to a class that, that looks like they're, they're stockpiling some talent uh, early on for the 2022 class. Coach Pierce, get as much talent as you possibly can. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So I, I kind of briefly referenced that I'm going to bang the drum on a little Sam Ellinger, the, the old QB1. Um, there was a, a tweet that went out um, by a good friend of the podcast, Kyle Umlang, who got to get that guy on the podcast soon but good friend of the podcast um good follow on twitter as well if you uh, if you aren't i don't know what you're doing um but he he broke it down basically on a yards per game basis which i really liked of how many total yards uh sam needs to pass colt at texas so again as the schedule's been released and there's 10 uh 10 game schedule if that was again health it's the healthy minimum um you know that, that he could play uh 10 games would uh, would be 443 yards per game he would need to get past uh colt mccoy which again let's just stop right there and say that's amazing um that he's even when that distance um you know good on you uh, colt mccoy's a legend and, and sam deserves to be rightfully so in in that pantheon uh as well but if he wants to get past him and they can go in 11th 12th or 13 games those yards per game go down pretty to a much more manageable number at 11 games it's 403 at 12 games it's 369 uh and if it is 13 games which um we, we noted uh, if you follow our twitter 13 games would be a big 12 championship and a national championship this year um that would be 341 yards per game does that sound doable well think about the fact that in 2019 um sam had, a, had an incredible year averaged 333 so he needs to be every bit as good as he was last year plus a little bit more uh to to kind of upgrade it or just hope again that texas goes all the way through the playoffs or the big 12 uh, Big 12 champion in the playoffs uh, to the championship game to get all of those eligible games. But hey, I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah, when when the 10 game season was announced, it, it seemed like Sam Ellinger would 
his his opportunity to really and truly because thirteen games in in a twelve game regular season plus a bowl game is basically guaranteed, right? So like you'll be able to do that. Now Sam could throw for a thousand yards against UTEP. Like that's all in all possible. <laughs> that's like, fair. Like UTEP preview uh, was not super. Uh, he wasn't very willing to give them compliments. I'll just say that uh, that way. So hopefully Sam Sam does as much as he can. And again, there is no shame in being number two to Colt McCoy. No shame at all to being number two to Colt McCoy. So I'm banging the drum this week on just the, the, the continuing conversation around the campus. And so uh, it came out this week that one of the Longhorn band drum major, senior drum major, Ali Morales, uh, will not initiate the band playing the eyes of Texas. And this is something that we talked about uh, and we're not going to go into whether or not it's right, whether or not it's wrong, whatever, whatever. But I'm just one. We said that this conversation wasn't over. And this conversation, I think, is going to continue to happen. Now, there are other drum majors that very may, may well, that very well probably will initiate playing the eyes of Texas. But college, in my mind, is all about figuring out who you are and what you stand for, regardless of what else you go for your degree. Like, you want to walk away from that campus having a better indication of who you are and what you stand for. And so seeing a young person – again, I was a youth pastor in a previous life – so seeing a young person – who has figured out something that they want to stand for a hill that they're willing to die on is a beautiful thing, regardless of whether or not you agree with it or not. We spent years and years and years saying these kids need to stand for something. These kids need to stand up for something. Um, And so even if we disagree with what they're standing up for, the fact that Allie is, is putting herself out there because it's, it's not a, it's not an easy stance to have as somebody who wrote a thousand words on changing the eyes of Texas my Twitter mentions were weird for a day or so. So like, it's not an easy stance to have. And so i just, I applaud this young Longhorn for truly embracing her platform. And again, whether you agree, whether you disagree, seeing young people stand up for the things that they believe in, the things that they hold near and dear to their heart is a beautiful thing to me. Yeah. I remember very distinctly um, my freshman year in college, there was a famous professor, I think in, in, Natural Sciences, uh, David Lottie, um, came to to a uh, freshman leadership organization that I was in and and spoke. And we thought he was going to rah-rah kind of motivate the kids. You can go out. You could do anything. Um, you know, it's... Uh, you could do it. You'd be the change you want to see in the world. Um, and he, he actually, like, I don't know if he just got inspired when he stood up there. He's like, you make me sick. He's like, you kids don't stand for anything. I was here at UT in the 60s when we were protesting out on the West Mall and we had opinions and we, you know, what started here really did change the world because we went out and did something about it, whatever. And he like, just like chastised. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe a couple people left that room and stood up and did something. But uh, I love that you brought, I didn't know this story until you brought it to my attention. Um, Ali Morales stood up for something. And like you said, that, that might be tough. Might be people who uh, they, people don't always like when you stand up. Sometimes you're the tallest person when you stand up and you become a target. And so that's tough and it takes courage. Um, so again, like Gerald said, whether you agree, disagree, have opinions, whatever, um, applaud UT students standing up and, and being about something. Absolutely. Again, agree, disagree, people having opinions and, and communicating them using their God-given plat, their God-given rights is a, uh, is something that I feel like we should all applaud. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Kerbin. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. 
You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Gooder. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Cluster. Don't cluster. Cluster.